Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello, and welcome to the Glossy Podcast our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and on today's episode, I sit down with Emily Current and Merritt Elliott, founders and creative directors of their global lifestyle brand, Emily & Merritt. We discuss how the process of building a brand has evolved, why wholesale still matters, and who the real influencers are. The Glossy Podcast starts now. This is the first for Glossy. We have two guests in the house. Welcome to Emily Current and Merritt Elliott. Hi. Thanks Hi. for having us. Hi. How are you guys? Great. Really You're in- excited to be here. Yeah. You guys are in town for Market Week. Yep. Talk to me. How often are you in New York? We come every few months and we come to market maybe once or twice a year. So we meet with some of our best accounts and we have meetings and we spend time with our sales team for the great. So and, you know, also steal away and do some shopping and some inspiration shopping (laughs) and people watching and all those fun things. Amazing. Gosh, I feel like people don't know your career path. You've been through it all. Um, I definitely think that you have some good kind of, I don't know, you, you have a good point of view in terms of every aspect of the business right now, different different business models that brands are exploring. Let's kind of circle back. You don't have a traditional design background. However, you are kind of taking, taking the reins and taking that designer creative director role. What's your background? Let's start with you, Emily. So Merritt and I met at UCLA yeah. and um, bonded over vintage denim. We both wore baggy jeans or flare jeans and shopped at th- you know flea markets and just connected that we looked a little different than the rest of our classmates. And um, we um, really forged a great friendship and a really clear point of view on what we loved. And we'd shop. And, and when we graduated, we decided to start a company together. We were doing styling and consulting. And um, it took us down a path very quickly of becoming stylists in Los Angeles. Yes. It's, is it a competitive market there? I hear a lot, a lot of stylists. <laughs> it is. It is. And it wasn't as competitive then, and there certainly wasn't a, t- a duo that yeah. like we were, and um, we sort of branded ourselves as um, a company, and um, it was it was a really really interesting time. Like it was when you'd go out to dinner with somebody and you said I'm a stylist, they thought you did hair. I feel like now it's very relevant and people know what it is, but it just wasn't as relevant at the time. Definitely. So what were we going to school for? We were both sociology majors, and I'd have to say that's actually pretty relevant to what we do. And we lean into a lot of the learnings we had and just kind of the nature of trends and um, and the evolution of fashion and a lot of how, just the human nature of a shopper and all those things. So I wouldn't say that our major is totally irrelevant, but what we really gained from UCLA was time management um, in finding each other, I guess. Yeah, that was so, that was the, we had a degree in friendship. Yeah. <laughs> so this was early on. Is it early two thousands? Yeah. Okay, great. God, how do you even go about starting a business right fresh out of college? 
I mean, listen, when you're fresh out of college, your overhead is pretty low and your dreams are pretty big. And I think that we both felt creative and we felt eager to work, but we couldn't pin down just one thing we wanted to do. And so we wanted to encompass like all of the things, writing and styling and art directing. And we knew if we started a business and beyond styling could kind of talk about forming an image with a company or an artist, like actually being part of the conversation. Um, whether it's an advertising campaign or a new musical artist, I think that we decided that you know this, we were going to be a company. So we we're going to style and we were going to image consult at the same time. Great. We made it up as we went along, yes. for sure. Where did denim come in, into the mindset? We need to start a denim line. Is this kind of in the heyday of the true religion and kind of the cool designer denim? Yeah, it, it, during that time, it was bedazzled, tight, fancy jeans. And when we were styling, we found ourselves like fancy top, fancy jeans, where's the cool? It just didn't feel right. And since we were such collectors of vintage, all of our clients and friends would have us recut vintage denim. And um, it just became something we were known for. And, And we ended up creating a sample line of 22 pieces that were sort of based on different jeans throughout different eras, so 50s, 60s, 70s. And um, that's sort of how denim started. We didn't set out to, like, get into the denim industry or even really disrupt the industry as much as we did. We just knew that we couldn't find what we wanted. Right on. So when you decided we want to sell denim, was the approach kind of a direct-to-consumer model kind of in the early days of that? Or did you decide, you know, we're not going to make this happen unless we team with a big wholesale partner. Yeah, no, we launched um, the denim brand in a very traditional wholesale environment. We launched by, you know, being in um, Vogue. That was our first press article. Um, we were in Barney's. We had an exclusive with Barney's for a month, and we rolled out to other major uh, wholesalers and retailers. There was no e-com. There was no Instagram. People literally got their magazine, whether it was anything from Vogue to Who Wore It Better and Us Weekly, and went to their local store and and bought the jeans. And, you know, times have changed since then, for sure. I think we'll get to it. I think we're returning back to that model. But um, at the time, it was it was good old you know, wait in line to buy something, wait at the register um, type of shopping. Yeah. Did you have your own stores or as time went on, did you ever open your own stores? No, we didn't. We did no. not. We now have our own store for the grape, our first retail store. But yes. at the time, no. E-commerce? We did not have an e-commerce site. No. Oh, my gosh. But retail was thriving. The department stores, there was no concern there at the time. It was. And we launched during the recession. So it was really an interesting time. And we were told... Denim is dead. This is not when you launch a brand. No one wants that. That's not how women dress. We were told that over and over again. And we were we said, well, we do. Yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, and actually think to this kind of casual, understated, timeless look is relevant in the time of this economy and the time of women are rising because we're doing more and we're celebrated more. And so it felt it felt well, we were told, no, this is not the time. It felt right. And. Um, it really resonated with everybody. And just to add, too, like I think we had a female gaze on an industry that was very male-driven. And so like the imagery for denim at the time was topless girls draped over the front of cars. And we were showing baggy, comfortable jeans and girls doing things. So it was it was just a really different point of view um, at the time. Yeah. Did you ever evolve 
beyond jeans, do you go to other categories, some t-shirts, kind of other cool girl apparel? A little bit, yeah. I mean, at the time, um, category-type-driven brands were really kind of what was happening. Um, We dreamed of doing a collection one day, um, and that's what led us to our next chapter. But at the time, it was really a denim-focused brand. Yeah, let's talk about that transition. Kind of what, gosh, what made you say, was after the first brand, it was successful. Where do you go from there? Is it kind of the decision to build, expand, go to other countries, other categories, or maybe move on? Or talk about what happened. Sure. Um, you know, we, as the company grew, we grew as human beings and as businesswomen, and we really were able to define what how we wanted to live our lives professionally and personally. And thank God we had each other because, you know, (laughs) weathering life um, during that time while building a business and building families and building independence is not easy. So we had each other. But um, the industry, the denim industry and the culture of that business and other businesses like us weren't serving us right. It wasn't serving our ethics, our morals, our priorities, the work environment didn't feel authentic to what we wanted. And we knew that we were on the horizon. There was more freedom to be had in our creativity and us becoming leaders, businesswomen, and supporting other women. And we felt that we had to move on to the next chapter to really, really take all the learnings we had and the successes and and the misses and all those things and start start fresh. Mm-hmm. And when that company sold in a pre- private equity sale, we stepped away at that time and we took about five seconds to reflect on our next chapter. <laughs> um, and we just, we, we set out with a clear agenda of what we wanted to do and which was creatively including many different categories as well. Yeah. So exactly. Yes. You laid it out. What, what was the plan? So I think, you know, we really wanted to have a multi-category women's wear brand. And that was rooted in sort of the denim and tomboyness that we had started, but also lent like our styling point of view. So the ultra feminine mixed with ultra tomboy and styling out the collection um, so that you could sort of piece together a very cool wardrobe. Um, I think we that's the front end and the aesthetics of it. But on the back end, I think we really wanted to employ a lot of women. We wanted to empower women and teach women what we'd learned. And we wanted to give a lot of different people a voice and, and respect what creativity is in a way that we didn't feel that we had had um, prior. And so the back end of it and how we built our business and the hours that we worked and how we worked and the transparency and how jobs weren't so siloed, that was really our mission, was how do we build a company that we believe in and teach the next generation of women and of our employees to run companies this way, not the way that we had learned. Got it. So kind of being these serial entrepreneurs, can you kind of compare and contrast maybe between the first launch of a business to the second, kind of the launch strategy and getting it off the ground. So the first time it was Vogue, it was Barney's, it was the traditional path. The second time, what was the approach? You know, launching a business in 2007 and 8 versus 2015 are two entirely different experiences. Um, we, you know, in e-com world, Instagram world, digital media world, that was all new to us. And we are still learning how to be proficient in all those things. But in the end of the day, we are product people. And we, I, we do believe that when you put soul into a product, whether you find it in a store or online 
or on your favorite Instagram star or whatever it is, you will connect to it emotionally. So that is always where we start. We are not big flashy marketers. We do not spend a ton of money on billboards or pay people to wear our product. We just recognize there's an emotional connection with women and what we create. And that is the, there's an intimacy there that we that starts with everything we design. And we built that this brand with this, that very same spirit. And so we are trying to grow this company responsibly and organically because it is very noisy out there. And we are trying to cut through in an authentic way. Mm-hmm. And we do that again by product and by understanding our customer and recognizing that this woman is somebody who likes to invest in clothes for her everyday life. And it's not, she's not overly trend-driven. Her clothes aren't disposable for her. She does a lot of things. She's somewhere between a mom drop-off to a CEO of a company, and she's dynamic. And so she finds those clothes in different ways. And sometimes it is in digital media ads, but a lot of times it's in a brick and mortar store or it's seeing a peer at the park. What are you wearing? The sense of discovery. And we're seeing that that is our most organic growth. And so um, it's not so different than 2008. It's just, um, it's, it comes from the same spirit. It's just a little bit of a different pace and in a little bit of a different way. And now we're with our first retail store, of course, we're seeing a lot of growth through that as well. Yes. And when you talk about this new company, are you, you're talking about Emily and Merritt, which is the umbrella company for other brands. Or are you talking about The Great specifically? Specifically, we're talking about The Great, yes. which is our, our uh, upscale clothing expression. Um, Emily and Merritt, we have different brands and we yep. can get into that, but specifically The Great. Got it. Now, The Great is not just denim. Talk to me about the, the yeah, categories. So, so the so the great is um, is women's apparel, multi category. So everything from dresses and woven tops to a huge knit expression that we've actually peeled off to call the great knits. It's sweatshirts and t shirts that you love and buy in multiple colors. They're wonderful and there's shoes and we just are launching men's actually this week. Hey, hey. I know. Um, so exciting. It's men's knits. We got so many requests, and um, so we're very excited about that. And we also have a kid's expression called the Great Little. So it's really uh, building out to be quite a robust assortment of product. Yeah. How did kind of your relationships with these whole, with wholesale partners from maybe the first brand help to build this brand? Did you kind of go back to some of the same people, or is it a whole new cluster? It's a new crop of people, and certainly the retail landscape has changed, so you really start from scratch. I mean, I think that we definitely have respect in the industry, Um, And, of course, we had fears when we launched The Great that people were going to only see us as a category-driven brand. And so, of course, we we came out with wovens and T-shirts and knits and hoping that just our point of view would cut through in those those pieces, and they did. And so those actually are the leaders in our – we're a collection, and those are the leaders in our brand. So – so those are actually different buyers than yeah. denim. To be honest, it's different departments. They're yeah. different stores. Um, so uh, you know, we see old friends and and we've people who support us throughout, and whether it be a buyer or a customer, which is is cool. But you know, it's a changing world very quickly. Yeah. What is the breakdown maybe between department stores, maybe specialty stores, and maybe your own e-commerce site? So we're. Um we're wholesale. We're a wholesale-based company, so I think right now we're like sixty forty um, wholesale versus direct. Um, our direct business is growing at a pace that is unreal. So we do see that as a few fu- where a lot of future growth will come. 
Um, but we have only one brick and mortar retail store that is our own, and our e-com business is obviously our biggest door. So, okay, is there ever plans to shift to one hundred percent DTC? Is it risky business to re- rely on wholesale partners right now? You know, it just depends. Day to day, it's volatile, and we all read the apparel news to to figure out what's happening. But the truth is, is I think that people still shop. For to discover brands, and we are we sit in amazing boutiques and wholesale accounts, and we like the friends that we sit with. It gives you context, and as we kind of go around the country and we do in-store appearances, sometimes that's how people discover brands. You know, yes. they go to their the, the shopping mall and they go to their favorite department store and they talk to the sales associate and they see what's new. So we never underestimate the the power of that. And you know, we're consumers and shoppers, and we discover things that way too. So we love and nurture those relationships, but we also are nimble and we realize that sometimes our, we, we stay true to our brand, but and sometimes, you know, department stores lean into trends and that maybe we don't serve those. So, but we don't waver, you know, yeah. we, we know, we know it's better to stand for something and stand strong. And, um, and sometimes our direct will be stronger and sometimes our wholesale market will be stronger. So, um, you really, we like having both. We think they benefit each other. I mean, yeah, we, we mentor a lot of younger women, too, that are coming up out of school. And there's a real focus on DTC right now for lots of reasons, but, um, you know, margin and uh, lots of things. And you, you do have to decide kind of up front how big your DTC expression is going to be. But I do suggest to a lot of them to consider wholesale because the money that you need to spend on customer acquisition for DTC is so enormous mm-hmm. that the idea that you could bulk up your your cuts or what you're making and service wholesale and be able to be in maybe 40 states and and it might be a better use of money to actually produce more product and, and service wholesale accounts for discovery, even if it doesn't get you the margin that you're looking for. So I think we always are looking for the next big thing, but there there's so much to learn from the past too. And um, so I think there is some real validity in wholesale right now, even though there's a volatile market. Yeah. You have one of your own stores, correct? Yeah. It's been open for about 14 months. Oh, I didn't realize it was that new. Yeah. And L.A.? It's in Los Angeles on Melrose Avenue, yeah. Yeah, so what was the plan for that? Did you test that area with a pop-up? Did you kind of just know what you were going into? You know, we live near there, and our office is near there. So that's our that's our neighborhood. We wanted it to feel a little bit like a jewel box. We didn't want to sit amongst a ton of retail stores. We understood that this is a lifestyle brand and that people don't really go out to shop all day, that they are running errands, they're getting coffee, picking up dinner for their family, you know, stopping and picking up a paint sample for their new living room or whatever it is. And so we're right in the middle of the design district, the um, not clothing design, but home design district. And we're surrounded by some great restaurants and coffee shops. So um, we found this space and uh, we we decided because our office is so close, we could walk there from our homes and it felt really organic and, and close to home so that we could really nurture its growth and have neighborhood communities and intimate dinners there and we could meet with customers. So that was kind of the, how we picked that area. Got it. That was going to be my next question. Kind of what, what happens in store um, beyond, you know, clothes and racks. So a lot of events, is that that's a big part of the job. Yeah. And, and also our store, we want our store to be a destination that isn't 
identical to what you can find online. Yeah. So we have exclusives. We curate vintage. We have the great, it's called the Great Finds. Um, we have third party vendors of small women run businesses and, and small villages around the world. Um, we have trunk shows. We have charitable shopping events. And, you know, I mean, anything that feels like it's building community and introducing people to the brand or supporting yeah. other brands that we want to elevate and that we're able to because we have a space. And, um, you know, we actually go shopping there sometimes, too, because <laughs> to see the product in an environment like that is very different than walking into the warehouse. You know, yeah. we're, we're able to kind of try it on and ask people's opinion and all that. So it's really been we a lovely. We have the best dressing room lighting. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there like a selfie opportunity? Yeah. <laughs> to some degree, but it's not pink. <laughs> <laughs> you need one of those squiggle mirrors. I've been seeing that a lot happening. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so talk to me about your other lines. You've, you've got a lot going on. So um, also kind of, are you building out into kind of a lifestyle brand? I know that you have a lot of kind of giftable items. What is that? That's a, a different brand altogether. Yeah, so we have a secondary brand called Emily and Merritt. Um, it really started when we collaborated many years ago with Kate Spade. And um, we built, we did a handbag collection called Emily and Merritt. And it really led us to a lot of opportunities for different projects, particularly with Pottery Barn. So we have, we're going on eight years with home collections with Pottery Barn for adults and then kids and teen. And it's been such a, an amazing project for us because it's totally different, yet totally the same as, <laughs> as creating apparel. And um, so that's been a great piece of Emily and Merritt. We also have paper goods and and clothing. And it's, it's, a, it's a more accessible expression of what we do in many ways a lot it's very inclusive and we can kind of get into trends and, and color in a different way than we do with the great which is very specific um so yeah it's just another division and I think as we grow we do want to potentially have multiple brands and be able to approach them in different ways all through our point of view but targeting different um, demographics and different people who can participate in different ways Yes. You guys are only two women <laughs> with families. Um, who are some of the partners that you've really kind of leaned on or maybe brought into the mix along along the way? You know, we are not shy to ask for help. Um, we are very aware of what our weaknesses are. And so we really have an amazing team. We have an amazing COO who's a woman who actually is from lived in New York for some time. Um, we have one mentor and investor for The Great. His name is Art Peck. Um, he's the CEO of Gap, Inc. Uh, he's been a longtime friend and supporter. And um, we nurture each other's creativity and dreams all the time. Um, you know, a lot of we have a lot of peers that have started businesses the same time as we did, like um, Hillary and Catherine, who where and you know it's fun yes. to, to always support each other. I mean, decades later, it's it's fun to watch each other grow and and help each other and show up for each other. Um, I think also last year when our friend Rebecca Minkoff started the Female Founder Collective, we just dove right into that as well because women working together, especially women like us who are in this same exact industry, working together to show other women how we can work together and all rise together has been a really important part of this for us as well. Cool. So because you guys are Emily and Merritt, do you feel the pressure to... I don't know, be outward facing, be out in the world, kind of representing the brand 24-7 on your social social media accounts. Just is that a thing? Um, it doesn't come organically to us. We are definitely the people who have always been behind the camera styling. And, and so um, 
we we are encouraged to step forward because people like to have the conversation, um, whether it's how do you juggle motherhood, um, what sort of can I have advice on business? What shoes are you wearing? <laughs> what size should I get in those pants? And and so we are really trying to indulge that that side of the, our business because we do like connecting with people. It's not co- that comfortable f- for us. Um, to, to try to take selfies, you know, but we do like to take people on the journey and there, and we do like to say, tell the truth because it isn't all easy and happy. It's, it's, the struggle is real, you know, yeah. being an entrepreneur. So we do have candid conversations and, and we show them what shoes we're wearing. I mean, we're wearing an identical outfit pretty much today. So maybe <laughs> we'll capture that later just because it's really funny. I um, love it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I do think people, there is something to be said that we do want to let people know this what we do is a founder led brand and that that's so much not the case in a lot of places and you can't fool people anymore yeah and so we we are founder led in that both of us in the fittings try on the pair of pants that we're selling to you and we make sure that at our different statures it looks good on both of us and that we sat there and we make sure that people are happy and satisfied and paid and love their jobs and that we are personally behind that. And I think people are really liking that nowadays. And so we, we want to make sure that we celebrate that as well. Absolutely. Speaking of trying on everything, are you in sizing and all of that? Are you standard sizing right now? I'm sure it's always an evolution and maybe that's down the road, but um, inclusive sizing, is that, that a goal or is that are you working on that? It's definitely a goal. We um, we right now try to, to size in a way that is a little more inclusive than standard 0 through 12 sizing. So we have buckets like 0, 1, 2, and 3. So they're off-cycle sort of sizes. And they're a lot more inclusive and a lot more flexible. I think we, we run generous and we also like when people can maybe try on two different sizes or three different sizes and wear it their own way. So we really um, love personal style. We are looking to extend sizes in both directions. Um, extra extra small and um and larger sizing which has been um actually a lot more complicated than we originally thought um it's a lot more pattern a lot more minimums per size and it just becomes a challenge which a lot of people in our business have been dealing with so um but it is a really important part of what we're doing right now that makes sense i mean i would thought i would think that your your um shopper is a majority in la in the states or is it la New York, the big cities. I just feel like you're building this great community locally, but um, talk to me about the breakdown. You know, we are definitely primarily a coastal brand. Our, our biggest customers are Los Angeles and New Yorkers because I think we're shoppers. But we have a lot of following in different places in Texas and Chicago. Um, Florida. Florida. Yeah. And I mean, I do think to speak to that inclusivity, I do think that we do speak to a customer of different sizes and different lifestyles and different ages. Yeah. Um, that's really important to us. And we feel so honored when we see somebody, you know, who is curvy and somebody who's older or whatever it is feeling fantastic. And I think that, you know, we see that in the people buy things in different areas of the United States and we're learning every single day, but um, yeah, we're, we're seeing growth in a lot of interesting communities. Definitely. Can you tell me about the launch plan for the men's line? Because we are kind of in real life. This is happening this week, folks listening. (laughs) Um, What's going on? 
So we decided to launch Men's Direct only, uh, mostly because we got so many requests. And um, we launched a core collection of T-shirts and sweatshirts for men. And they are somewhat limited to start um, in terms of color, but it will grow. And we're really excited about it. We're doing actually an event at our store and... We are doing different promotions online, but um, the store is going to be a date night, and we just get to have a lot of fun with it. Great. Are you doing anything? I would think that, I mean, your female customer is shopping for their guy a lot, so anything, any marketing directed toward that so you can kind of take advantage of your core customer now? Yeah, I mean, when we're shipping our orders right now, we're throwing in a postcard and saying, oh, like, great. the grand man, great man is coming. I mean, we we see a lot of women dragging in their boyfriends or guy friends into the store as it is. <laughs> and they we get asked more than ever, like, where's the men's? Because the great does have a tomboyish feel. Like, it feels very like it should be sitting right there. So, um, yeah, I, we're hoping, we're looking for organic growth. We understand that men shop differently than women. And when they like the fit in the hand of something, they're very loyal and they buy a ton of them. So we're, we're trying not to go too, too broad or to be overambitious because we really understand that it's a different market. Definitely. You, you touched on Instagram, Facebook, kind of the cost of it all. As far as marketing, anything outside of the box working or that you're testing, experimenting with, um, out of home, maybe Pinterest is working for you, <laughs> anything. So we don't do out of home currently, but um, we have, and it's been great. And um, we are planning a mailer. So I think that's been exciting. And a lot of people are doing that and seeing great results. Um, I think we're kind of seeing, again, this pendulum swing back to traditional mediums, um, more tangible paper in the mail or, um, you know, just beautiful lookbooks in the store, events, activations, things that are more tangible. And we definitely have a great digital marketing um, person who is amazing, and I don't understand half of what she does. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a really also big piece of, of how we promote. Yes, but no pages in Vogue. <laughs> well, I, won't, I won't, you don't have to comment. <laughs> never say never. <laughs> right on. And what about influencers? You said you're not paying influencers. Is gifting no. a thing or just? You know, we, it's funny. In the beginning when we launched the brand, I think we gifted a little bit. But the truth is, is like we gift people that we, we admire. And great women, and they may have not even have Instagram, but that feels right for us. And uh, we see that sometimes that does help business, but otherwise it just makes us feel good. And, and, and we want to be dressing people that influence other people in positive ways. So that's kind of our parameters right now. I mean, certainly we show gratitude. We have influencers just go shop on their own and, and support us, and we certainly are, are grateful for that and show our gratitude. But like I said, I think that when a woman shows up, and I'll use Carpal Drop-Off because it's September as an example, and she's looking her best in her cute baggy army pant and her Victorian shirt, and that when 20 women say, tell me where you got that, what is that, that is the influence that yes. we're going after it's real it's not glassy it's not photo edited it's it's um she she has a normal body she has a normal life and so we're really looking around on the street and in our friends and our peers and people that are making changes in the world and we're trying to dress them definitely how long did you say you guys have been working together like 20 years <laughs> yeah 20 years <laughs> oh my gosh can you tell me kind of I mean is it always a struggle is it getting easier like as you're growing a business are you up all night <laughs> You know, it's it, again. I'm gonna. This friendship is is my um, is our survival because yeah. Emily will text me. I was up all night worrying about X, and I take that cue to say, "Hey, listen, let's breathe together. Remember this. 
this is how we're going to tackle it. This is business. Yeah. And then the next day it will be me, the one that didn't sleep all night. So we keep each other in check. And in the end of the day, sometimes we look at each other and say, is everyone healthy? Is everybody happy? Are we trying our very best? Are we always telling the truth? Are we always being moral and good to people around us? We have to kind of check ourselves because you can get really caught up in things. Things can feel personal. Yes. Um, so no, it doesn't get easier. It gets different. Yes. Um, the things that matter to you are different. Um, yes. We have thick skin creatively. If someone doesn't like things, we move on. Um, if someone that we work with is feeling over overworked, that that affects us. Things like that, you know, yes. or is my is my kid not seeing enough of me? That type of thing. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's just changed. Got it. That makes sense. Gosh, what's next? You're doing men's. Is it, you don't have kids clothing, right? We do actually. You do. It's called the great little. Oh. Um, so we do, it's, it's also very knit focused, but we do some lightweight denims and ticking stripes. Um, we're really looking to, for for growth, so I think we're looking at where where is store two? Is it New York or what other areas do we feel great about? Um, and growing our direct business is a really is a really important focus. I mean, our wholesale business is growing, and we're happy about it, and we're grateful for that. But I think we just see a lot of opportunity in having a direct conversation with our customer, and and I think that's where growth will come for us. We actually also are growing uh, internationally as well. Oh, great. Yeah. What's so the plan for that? We have partners internationally. Um, we, Is it we, China and Europe? Yep. Okay. Um, Middle, and East. J- Middle East and Japan. Yeah. We we actually get quite a few tourists on our website and in our store as well. So yes. there's some really organic growth that way. But actually, it's a different, it's a totally different business in Europe. I mean, specialty stores and whatnot. And we yep. we do really well in specialty stores. So that we're on, we're just starting to really amp that up. So we're excited to see how that that um, impacts our business. Great. And that's wholesale partners. Is your also your direct um, website that's international as well? We ship can, internationally. Just, okay. Yeah. Great. So that second store is New York, or where where are you thinking? Yeah, New York is definitely um, a great market for us, and I, there's just so many shoppers, and we love to come here and shop. So I think it would be a really natural next place for us. I think we have really great um, relationships in Northern California. We're both from there. There's some interest uh, there, um, Pacific Northwest, Texas. I mean, there's some really great areas, but right now we're in New York, so we're kind of on a let's do New York but I'll let you know later. It's a happy place. And does growth mean more funding or what else is going to um, be needed to take it to the next level? So um, we're self-funded and um, it doesn't mean that we aren't interested in financial investment, um, but it's not something we've been really active um, to do. Uh, but I mean, that would be great at some point. I mean, I think growth for us is organic growth. We've, we've done a brand in our past brand that kind of catapulted to the moon in first season one and the growth was huge right away. I think that our goal for this brand was real organic growth through product. So I think we're on the path that we want to be on, which is, um, significant incremental growth season over season, but not trying to like double business in a month. I think we're really trying to grow it thoughtfully and produce things responsibly and I think that we've been achieving that um, season over season. Awesome. As former stylists, who would you die to see wearing your brand? <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. <laughs> Oprah. Oh, yeah. Oprah. Oprah. And actually, actually, Oprah and Gail. Friends. At friends. The same Best time, friends. Dress like you guys right now matching. That yes. would be amazing. <laughs> that's the dream. All right. That'll do it. Emily, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And Merritt, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. That's all for this episode. The Glossy Podcast is produced by Pierre Bienname. 
please head to the reviews section on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast to give us a rating and tell us what you think. Thanks for listening. Oh,